From the EPR Creations Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jason Staples, here for the Miami preview. And as always, this show brought to you by EPR Creations. EPR Creations partners with small businesses for website development and online strategy planning. If you have any need for any of that stuff, give EPR Creations a call. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. And if you haven't already done it, go ahead and sign the petition at showthesafeties.com, which is a site that I had EPR Creations do for me and do it kind of on the cheap. They, uh, they, they're really flexible with their rates and in terms of what you want. They did a great job for me on that, and uh, that project continues to work its way out. Now, let's talk Miami. So, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting game because it's two, two formerly proud programs or two proud programs still that are just not what they've been. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this game. So, uh, yeah, let's jump to it. Let's start with Miami on the offensive side. And in a lot of ways, these two two teams are kind of mirror images of one another in, 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 uh, in terms of some of the weaknesses. Both teams have had some problems at quarterback. Both teams have had serious problems on the offensive line. And as a result, both teams have had some inconsistencies on the offensive side and Miami in a lot of ways is similar to Florida state. They're not, they've not been very good in terms of overall success in terms of what Bill Connolly calls success rate. They've not done a good job of, uh, of grinding out yardage in the run game, which is really what Dan Enos wants to do. I mean, he's you got to remember, he's a guy that was actually offense coordinator under Brett Bielema uh, when he w- when they were at, at at Arkansas. I mean, that's the kind of offense he really wants is to be physical, line up, and run it down your throat, and then play action pass off of that. The thing is, it's hard to do that when your offensive line is horrible. And this is the second week in a row where they Florida State might be playing an offensive line that's worse than their own. I mean, actually, Miami's offensive line is pretty comparable to Syracuse. What Florida State played last week against Syracuse is pretty close to what they're getting against Miami this week. I think Miami is a little stronger inside. Navon Donaldson, the, uh, the, the left guard, is a, is a quality player. And they're not too bad in the inside. But at the tackle position, they are young and they're not good. Uh, I, I, I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm going to post a play from the uh, a breakdown that I did for the uh, UNC coverage that I do. I'm going to post that on the Patreon site so that you can take a look at what one of North Carolina's defensive linemen did to Miami's right tackle. And I'm just going to tell you, it's it's not pretty. And he pushed, pulled, and, and body slammed him. And that's one of those things where Florida State's got some guys that can two gap those defensive ta- or those offensive tackles and can run right through them at times. And I don't think they have anybody up front that really handles Marvin Wilson, that handles Durden. I don't think they do a, they have anybody that that is going to be able to do a whole lot on Cooper, especially the way he's played recently. So. Miami, what they want to do is they want to line up and run the football, and they're playing against a defense that is going to make it really difficult to do that, especially between the tackles. Now, this is a game where if I'm Florida State, I run less tight. So, you know, the tight front is where you're you're running like true 3-4 look, where you got all three defensive tackles inside the 
eyes of the of the offensive tackles. So in, in, in a tight front, you've got two four eyes, basically. So again, you've got your A gaps uh, in between the center and the guard, your B gap between the guard and the tackle. And in a tight front, you have your two defensive ends or defensive tackles, whatever you want to call them in the three, four, you got your nose tackle. And then the two guys outside him in a tight front, those guys are lined up basically almost head up again over the offensive tackle, but then shaded to the inside to take, take care of those gaps. And all you're trying to do in a tight front is cause a pile inside so that the team has to run outside and where you can, where you can have your linebackers and secondary pursue to. And this has been, this is a this is one of the ways that that teams in the Big Twelve in, in particular started to uh, work against the run heavy spreads, where basically the idea of the old of, of a lot of these spreads, you go back to Chip to Chip Kelly and and some of these guys. What you're doing to spread teams out is basically you're trying to spread things out so that you can run straight up the gut, and the tight front stuff t- tries to take that away. If I'm Florida State in this game, I try to run more true four, three type looks or, or even fronts is a, is a better way to put it. But I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stick with Janarius Robinson as more of a true defensive end look and put uh Durden as a five technique. So on the outside eye of the offensive tackle and play Marvin Wilson as a true three technique, let him disrupt and then let Cooper disrupt at the one because I don't think they can block you inside well enough to run no matter what you do. So you're not having to worry about running all the tight front stuff to try to clog things up with those interior three. The issue for me, if I'm Florida State, I'm trying to do that because where Miami has actually had some success, they're ter- they're not very good at sustaining drives with four and five yard rushes. But they have had some big plays in the running game and in particular on the edges. So I'm going to try to do a little bit different. I mean, really what you're wanting to do is sort of what Harlan Barnett brought from Michigan State. Run your 40 front one gap and try to let those guys work the edge a little bit and prevent Miami from being able to get that edge. And then just trust that your that your bigs, that Cooper and, and Marvin Wilson – and their backups can handle Miami inside enough that you're not going to have to worry about some of that stuff inside. So that's what I'm doing right up front based on film. I'm going to go even front and I'm going to try to avoid, I'm going to try to protect my edges and avoid giving Miami anything on that edge because really the place where they could potentially beat you is with a few big plays from their backs and also, you know, some of the jet sweep stuff they do with Thomas, who's who's a really, really fast and explosive player. You want to you want to take some of that stuff away so that they have to beat you other ways that they're going to have to actually beat you between the tackles, force them to run between the tackles to beat you. And the other thing that you want to do. Because they've not been able to run the football very much. And, you know, again, they're, they're designed. They want to run the football. In order to play action pass you downfield. Well, it's hard to throw play action if you can't run it. And they've not had a ton of success in terms of downfield passing. And in particular, they're starting Jaron Williams in this game. I'm right now looking at pro football focuses stats on Jaron Williams downfield. 
And his pro football focus grades, as soon as you get beyond the 20 yards yard mark in terms of how far downfield the ball is thrown, he's uh, not strong downfield. Just in terms of numbers, throw any ball that's traveled more than 20 yards downfield for Jaron Williams, he's 4 of 15 on the year with one touchdown, one interception when throwing the football more than 20 yards downfield. 4 of 15. So if it's me, again, do what you do. This is a game where if you're going to break out that old Michigan, Michigan State quarters type play aggressive, make them beat you over the top defense, this is the game to do it. Or, you know, again, you can do the same thing out of, uh, out of, out of middle of the field closed, out of, you know, cover one, match, th- match three. So you're match up man-to-man on the outside and force them to beat you over the top. The one guy you got to worry about there is their, their slot who is really, really good. And he, if they're, if they're to me, if Miami is going to, is, is going to beat you, it's probably going to be because they managed to get a couple big plays, maybe in the running game, maybe a couple plays there, but the guy that can beat you, is Jeff Thomas. He is explosive. I mean, Harley's a good player too, and he's explosive, but Jeff Thomas, as a as a return man, and in the offense, he's the guy that, that terrifies you. Now, Brevin Jordan, their tight end, probably the best tight end in the country. Now, he the thing is, their offensive line is so bad, it's similar to with Trey McKitty. Trey McKitty's a good tight end, a good a, a really good athlete at tight end, but because, because Florida State has to go max protect so often, he's in to block a lot. Well, the same thing's true with Brevin Jordan, so you're not as worried about him. Now, with Florida State linebackers, he's more of a concern. Maybe with Miami, maybe you decide to take some gambles and and not max protect as much and get him out there, and, and then Jordan's a problem. But to me, the guy that worries you is Jeff Thomas. Putting him in a slot, getting him one-on-one, let's say you're in a quarters look, and you get him one-on-one against the safety, and he just runs right by you. So what you're trying to do Protect your edges by going 40 front more often in this game. Don't worry as much about those outside receivers. Make sure that you're not ever in a bad matchup with with Miami's inside guys. That's Brevin Jordan at tight end and Jeff Thomas at the slot. Find, make sure that you're matched up in, in with, with a guy that you think can match up with those guys across the board. If you do this, then I think Miami's going to have a hard time scoring against Florida State. Because this Miami offense is not um, is not terrific, to to say it to say the least. I mean, you look at what they've done. They're they are averaging what five point eight eight yards per play. That's um, and that's including games against Bethune and Central Michigan. <laughs> that's um, that's that's not great. And the last three games, five point one yards per play against Virginia. against a bad Georgia Tech defense and 3.53 yards per play against Pittsburgh. None of that's very good. And so in Florida State, in terms of the athletes they're putting on the field, we've talked about, about this all year, though. In terms of athletes, they're better athletically than any of those teams. Now, to put it in perspective, against Virginia, Florida State averaged 5.76 yards per play. Miami, 5.1 yards per play. 
So you're looking at fairly comparable offenses between Florida State and, and Miami, but Florida State has more a little bit more explosiveness overall, and Miami a little bit a uh, little bit more a uh, little bit more consistency. But both teams have really depended on explosive plays all year. Now, when if and when Nikosi Perry comes on the field, that flips things a little bit because Perry is almost a, a mirror image of Jaron Williams as a passer. When Perry's on the field, almost all of his success has come on throws of more than 20 yards downfield. You look at his pro football focus stuff, and it's all orange and yellow, basically, anything less than 10 yards downfield. And then all of a sudden you get blue, which is elite, downfield to the outside left, and then green in the downfield middle. And he's actually he's actually better once he's once he's throwing more than ten yards downfield, a better a more aggressive thrower, but he'll also turn it over some. Both quarterbacks will turn it over some, partly because they've they've struggled against pressure. And this is a team where you want to bring pressure. I mean, the Pro Football Focus grade for Jaron Williams under pressure twenty nine point eight. When he's not under pressure ninety point seven. That's real good. But twenty nine point eight also really awful. And then Nikosi Perry, 73 grade when he's not under pressure, 37 when under pressure. So both guys are guys where if you get pressure on them, they change. And especially Jaron Williams. He's a guy that holds the ball too long. And he's a guy that will turn the ball over if you get pressure on him. So for, for what I'm looking at, if I'm Florida State, line up in the 40, protect my edges, bring some pressure really get after the quarterback and force them to try to beat me downfield when when Jaron Williams is on the field and then take away the downfield stuff and force the shorter throws when, if and when, Nikosi Perry's on the field. So that's that side of, that's that side of the football. Super simple. They're going to run very slow tempo. It's going to be a game with fewer possessions. And what I'm trying to do, if, if I'm Florida State, is to get them to get them off the field as many three and outs as possible to get the ball back to my offense because their defense also has some some personnel in terms of uh, in terms of depth. They've got some depth shortages. Before I get over to the defensive side, I want to thank my second sponsor of the, of the day. That is Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. And as, our, as I've mentioned to you before, Lewis is the best in the business when it comes to giving you videos and photo to showcase your home. Not just smooth professional walkthrough video. I've mentioned that before, but he'll do drone vi- footage of your house to make your house look pristine. He'll make sure that it's lit properly. He'll make sure that everything is is as it should be. Staging matters when it comes to getting the best price for your home. Lewis is the best in the game at that. And if you're in the market to buy a home in the greater Jacksonville area, give him a call as well. Let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered Podcast. All right. So on the offensive, or on on. Florida State's offensive side going up against the Miami defense. This is one of those games where you're probably going to have some trouble blocking Miami up front. The same way that Miami is going to have some trouble blocking you up front, you're going to have some trouble blocking them. But I think Florida State's offensive line actually the gap between Florida State's offensive line and the, the players Florida State or the players that Miami has on defense is actually smaller than the gap between Miami's offensive line and Florida State's defensive line. 
And that's just because Florida State has has some elite defensive line talent. And Miami doesn't really have a bunch of they don't have a Marvin Marvin Wilson. They don't have a Corey Durden. They've got a they've got a Janarius. They've got a guy at, at end who's a little better than Janarius. And that's not real good since Florida State's weakness is at the tackle position. But I think Florida State, it's going to be interesting in this game because, and I mentioned it after after the last game, and we've talked about this for a couple of weeks now. I'm I, I've been at the point where after the uh, after the loss to Wake Forest, I said, look, they need to start thinking about going to what they did against against Baylor or when Baylor was playing against North Carolina in the bowl game, and they basically just put. Uh, and they had no quarterbacks left, and they put uh, uh, kind of a hybrid wide receiver and running back and different guys at at the running back at, at the quarterback position, and just ran like single wing veer type stuff. And I've been now what almost three weeks on this train of that's what they need to be doing, and they're doing it. <laughs> the wild cam formation or QB three, as as Taggart's calling it, that. I think needs to be your default in this game, especially watching what Pittsburgh did to them. And, you know, they, they were fortunate to win the pit game. So th- there've been a couple games where they, they should have won the game. They, they against my, against North Carolina, they probably outplayed North Carolina just a little, just slightly, but North Carolina was able to win that game partly because of better quarterback play. They, they should have won against Virginia tech. That's a game that they just turned the ball over and ultimately outplayed Virginia Tech other than that. Pittsburgh was a game they should have lost. I mean, they, 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 they only had 3.53 yards per play against Pittsburgh. And again, like I said, I'm bringing the old Michigan State defense onto the field against, against them just schematically. Like, that's what I would have seen anyway. And then you watch what Pittsburgh did to them, and who happens to be the coach at Pittsburgh? Oh, that's right. The former defensive coordinator at Michigan State, back when Harlan Barnett was there under him, the same basic defense that Barnett brought, running it, and they they held Miami to 16 points and 3.53 yards per play. Whatever they did, you do the same thing. <laughs> but Miami still won that game, despite getting shut shut down because of some timely, uh, basically because they uh, Pittsburgh couldn't put the ball in the end zone when they got it in the, in the red zone or got it, got it across the, the, the 30 on Miami side of the field. They, they kept stalling and had some problems there, but Pitt averaged 4.35 yards per play, a little bit more. And in particular, they were able to run the football on Miami. Now Pitt's offensive line is better than Florida state's, but they were able late in the game to find a way to run on Miami. Now, overall they weren't, they didn't have success Overall in the running game, only two yards per per, uh, per carry. But late in the game, they went to a seven offensive lineman package with direct and direct snapped it to the running back and were able to run the football down the field against Miami's defense when Miami needed to get a stop. And they were able to score doing that. And then Miami was able to come back and, and, and answer and, and score a touchdown late to win the game. But I'm looking at that in the fourth quarter and I'm going, huh, you know, maybe this is a game where you go more than half the time in the wild cam 
And maybe you put an extra run. Maybe you put this is a game where you put Jalen Goss out there as as a as an extra tight end, or maybe you go with both McKitty and uh, and Gabe Neighbors out there. In addition to you know maybe maybe you put McKitty in line and then Neighbors and McDonald on on the field because you are a little bit shy. Uh, your, your your receiver depth has kind of disappeared in the last couple of weeks. So maybe you do that. Maybe you go big, and you support help support your 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 ends. The, the edges against their ends and you try to create some issues in terms of running the ball down their throat and getting gaining some gaps and that's something that 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 the Bri- that Bryles both Kendall and Art have done a great job with over the years is finding ways to gain a gap here and there against the defense and this is one of those games where I think you might be able to do that against Miami's defense they're pretty aggressive but I think you might be able to to get Maybe a backer in the wrong gap here or there. Maybe a maybe the, the the support the extra support player from the secondary is there because you've got an unbalanced type look. I'd go unbalanced some against Miami, and I would run the heck out of bash. So that's your inverted zone read. I'd run the heck out of that toss counter backside. So you know, fake the toss and bring it back on the counter. But you also have, you know that becomes an option where. Depending on the on the on Acres read as the as the quarterback, he could toss it or he can keep it. You know, do a number of different things. You know, the, some of the same stuff with uh, with LeBorn out wide, and you've potentially got the screen out there if you got the numbers, or Acres keeps it on the inside. And like I said in the last podcast, don't even put the quarterback on the field. Don't even put another quarterback on the field. Just just have Acres as your quarterback. Do some of that against this team because I think, first of all, I think this is going to be a game where points are at a premium. I think both both defenses are better than the offenses. Miami's defense is better than Florida State's overall on the year, even though the personnel of, of the two defenses, Florida State's got better personnel up front. Miami's got better linebackers by a mile. And then both teams are pretty good in the secondary. But to me... I think I'm wanting to go a good bit of wild cam and I might give cam a chance to take a shot or two downfield. You know, he can throw it a long way, give him a chance to to take a shot or two to say a Terry or, a, or, or someone like that. If they start compressing that a lot. Now I would do some of that. You still are going to need to have some stuff in there for the quarterback, and and this is a game where I think Hornybrook is is not very well equipped to play this play in this game, but we'll see. Uh, they're going to play a lot of man under, and you've got to you've got to be able to to put the ball on your receivers and get it out on time, which is something that he's able to do. The second one, the first one, he's he struggled with his accuracy at different points, but if you can get some of those, some of those, uh, the matchups that you want. North Carolina, where they beat, where they beat Miami early in the year, it was on Sam Howell being able to win, especially early in the game. They jumped out to, I think it was a seventeen three lead. I was at that game. They jumped out to a big lead on Miami because Miami was, it's a Manny Diaz defense. They're going to play press man on the outside, and they're going to sometimes rotate to that cover one, and they're going to play man under. And North Carolina just ran right by him, and Howell was able to drop the ball in there for a couple long plays. If you can get a couple of those plays, you're getting rid of the football pretty quickly, 
That's the other thing. When I'm not running wild cam, one of the things I'm looking at doing is I'm trying to get one of my receivers against one of the defensive backs that I, I like the matchup, and I'm trying to run right by him. And just tell Hornybrook, like literally catch the football, set your feet, and throw it as far as you can with some with some arc on it out there and let, let our guy go and get it. So play the vertical throw game and the wild cam game. Run the football, see what you can do, and basically try to win this game with some big plays. Eliminate their big plays by what you're doing up front because, I, again, I think they're going to have some trouble running the football in this game. And I think Florida State will have a little bit more success, is in position to have a little bit more success in terms of potentially getting some big plays just matchup-wise against, against Miami. So this is going to be an interesting football game. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this. Even though it's, I mean, both of these teams have been bad this year. This is still going to be fun to watch. And, and, and this is an important game for Willie Taggart and for that staff. They need to, get to, need to get to seven wins. They need to. And this is a game where you win this and you might get to eight. And eight wins at the end of this year does, looks a whole lot better than things look like they might be in like week three, week four. Eight wins has some people breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief in that building. And I know that's not good for Florida State, you know, to, to be saying, oh, eight wins. Yeah, that's good. But compared to where it looked like they might be, you win this game and all of a sudden eight wins is, is, is actually viable. It's, it's possible. Because you can beat, you definitely can beat Boston College. It's no gimme, but you can beat them and then you're going to win the next one. So eight wins becomes completely viable. And then all of a sudden the seed is a little bit less uh, scorching for this coaching staff and they can actually go into the into the offseason with a little bit more security. And also, this is one of those games that in terms of recruiting, you beat Miami and that that matters. I mean, players do pay attention to where programs are in the state pecking order. And you're already probably going to wear it a little bit against uh, against Florida. So you make sure that you're not the the third program in the state. Now, before I make the uh, my final projections here, I want to thank the third sponsor of the show, and that is Garage Makeovers. They're the top-rated garage remodeling company in South Florida. And they've been serving all of Palm Beach and Broward County since 2005. If you're in Palm Beach or Broward County and you listen to this podcast, you need a better garage. Let's be honest. And you need to call Garage Makeovers. Let them know you heard about it from the Unconquered Podcast. Okay. So looking at the uh, projections here. I'm a little more bullish on this game for Florida State than I've been on a number of games this year. I think this is like 60-40, maybe even 65-35 for Florida State in terms of of odds in this game. I think they match up better with Miami in terms of just... Overall, they're they're pretty even teams, but I think the matchups are such that Florida State, I think, matches up just a little bit better with Miami in terms of of where some of the weaknesses fall. I think points are going to be at a premium in this game. There might be some turnovers, which could change that a little bit, but legitimate offensive points are going to be at a premium. And I think also, if it comes down to a field goal, even though Florida State's been a little bit in turmoil there with Aguayo uh, having some uh, some illness issues this last week and then prior earlier in the year struggling, Miami's had way more problems in the kicking game than Florida State has, although their punter's really good. I mean, they again, if they'd been able to make some kicks against North Carolina and a couple other teams, they'd be like six and two right now. So in a game that 
very well may come down to a kick. You, you, I know it's crazy to say this about a Florida State Miami game. I think Florida State actually sits better in position to uh, potentially come out of that, out of any exchange of kicks ahead. So that's a plus. I think uh, overall, both teams are gonna are gonna find it tough sledding against the other team's defense. I think. Florida State's going to be able to get a few more big plays, partly because I think Akers is the best player in this game. And yeah, he's he's a little nicked up. I mean, he he was he he was uh very limited. I mean, he didn't really participate much in practice most of this week. They were really smart about that and uh and and kept him kind of bubble wrapped this week to make sure that he was recuperated from the big load that he'd had earlier in the year. I mean, this is one of those where they want him to be really fresh coming in. So he should be reasonably fresh. And, uh, and I think he's the best player in this game. And so I think that's another, another aspect here. So all told, I think Florida state wins this game. I'm going to go 24 to 16 Florida state wins this game. It's going to be closer than the score, but I think maybe a little bit of a little bit of a late field goal or something to uh, end up giving a little cushion. But I think this is going to be a close game. I'm going to go for 24-16 Florida State. Florida State with about a 60 to 65% chance of winning this game. I think both teams are going to average probably less than six yards per play. I mean, this is going to be a little bit of an ugly game, maybe even less than 5.5, but they'll be around the same. Maybe I think Miami's going to have a hard time getting over five yards per play actually in this game. So let's say Florida State's at around 5.5 yards per play and Miami's probably like 4.8. I think that's in the range that we're looking at. Like I said, Florida State, 24, Miami 16. That's what I'm going with. Not comfortable with it, but (laughs) this should be a fun one to watch. So that's going to do it for us today. Before we get out of here, I want to thank those supporters over at Patreon above the bleached numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, and Burt Bertoldi. And of course, make sure to catch our next podcast, which will cover the hot takes after the Miami game. Oh, and I should mention... For those of you who haven't done it or haven't done it in a while, please leave uh, five-star reviews over at Apple Podcasts. Really helps out uh, the podcast a lot. And I don't really pay much attention to this. I haven't, and this is one of the reasons why I don't really have an ask generally at the end of episodes. I don't really pay attention to this, but this one did get emailed to me. I got uh, the following review. It was a one-star review, uh, what, about a week ago? And I'm going to go ahead and read it on air so that maybe some of you who uh, haven't given a rating in a while or haven't given a rating before, Maybe, maybe it's time to offset this one a little bit, but I got this the following. I can't bear to listen to you anymore after this pod. I'm a realist, but you spent so much time talking about what could have happened if the other Wake Forest players played instead of those who did play. Your takes were totally irrelevant. You ought to reconsider doing post-game hot takes. You're overly emotional in your sarcastic negative comments. Do you no favors at all? Disappointed listener. All right, well, given that that uh, one-star pot, one-star review is out there, that helps drag down the ratings, but... Maybe a few few of you have, who haven't uh, put in a rating in a while can boost up a little bit. See if we can get a few extra five-star ratings out there. Uh, and definitely helps out in terms of um, g- growing the podcast and, and improving uh, ad rates and all of that. So grateful for that. We'll go ahead and wrap here. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>